I'm in my 20s or maybe my 30s. Can't remember simple things. I left out my groceries, but as I'm sinking, I find myself thinking. Not of death or the world's great design, it's of all the books I read when I was nine. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the hostile hospital. Uh, I'm a bit hesitant on this one just simply because, um, you know, I'm hesitant to give the advice to, I don't know. I know that he's critiquing some medical advice and I'm, for obvious reasons during a pandemic, I'm kind of hesitant to bring that up and to, and to mention, you know, his message of trying to delegate or figure out which health advice to listen to, but at the same time, I feel like it's necessary. Um, I'm, o- I'm only a bit hesitant just because I know right now in a pandemic, not very many people are listening to health professionals anyways, but this is a good time for me to talk about the postmodernism of this book series, I think. Um, so what I mean by postmodernism, I'm just going to talk about this briefly. I always say that it's not going to be brief, probably, but basically postmodernism is a form of literary movement or um, literary theory. And basically, it's just it's just a way to kind of categorize uh, certain literary. Sorry, I'm trying I'm trying to like make this in a way that makes sense, I guess, if you've never taken like a literary class, um, a literary theory class, but basically it kind of categorizes things in a way like um let me try like okay so there's like there's gothic novels which you would know and like same thing is like oh there's horror and there's you know as same it's not necessarily a genre but it is a genre so it's just a way to kind of like describe things or or okay this is this is a good example um like there there's fiction and then there's certain types of fiction that would do post-apocalyptic. So this isn't really like a like a literary movement per se. Well, it might be now because it's more popular, but um, post-apocalyptic, that would be like a separate thing in addition to the fiction. So this postmodernism is a way that some writers or authors think and write and try to get a message across um, in addition to the genre that they're writing in. So in addition to fiction or science fiction or horror or whatever. So two things on top of each other. And I, I bring this up because, you know, this is this co-aligns really well with this book, especially because there's a lot of moments in this in this book where the kids are kind of confused. Um, they're not confused, but they, they get oh my gosh, Lemony Snicket. Sorry, he just makes me mad and also I'm obsessed with him but I'll I'll do a brief description real quick of of the books the book that we just finished right now the hostile hospital if you have not finished it so the hostile hospital these kids are on the run from um the vile village where they're thought to be murderers basically because they murdered the town murdered the wrong guy and they're blaming it on the kids they're saying it's the kids fault um or they think the kids are suspects or whatever because this fake Count Olaf had died. So they're on the run. They run to this um, general store, this little shop or whatever in the middle of nowhere, um, where they're trying to send a telegram to Mr. Poe. They're not really too excited about it because they're like, eh, you know, it's Mr. Poe. He's not really that helpful, has not been helpful 
at all this entire time. So they're kind of like, eh, you know, like a little hesitant, but they try to send out a telegram. Poe doesn't respond. Um, and the kids uh, are in the newspaper now for being murderers and their pictures are up there. So they start getting chased down by the store manager because he's like, wait a minute, I saw you guys in the paper. You guys are murderers. So they start getting chased and then uh, they they end up leaving the building and find this like ambulance looking van or whatever that's sitting in the parking lot and it's the only car that's there and there's VFD on the side and it's for volunteers fighting disease is the name of the company on the band on the on the van sorry and so the kids like hop inside and they're just simply welcomed into the building basically the car leads them over to a hospital called Heimlich Hospital and these volunteers in the van just show up with balloons with happy faces on them and they just sing to every single patient. Um, I think they run the whole hospital. It's a bit confusing because there are a few times where Klaus and Violet and Sunny are walking around in the hospital and they're like, hey, um, you know, like, is someone going to do surgery? Or like this person says that they need water. Like one of the patients here says that they need water. So like one of the patients is just sitting in the bed and just water, please. I'm so thirsty. I haven't had any drop of water since like yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And Klaus and Sonny are like, oh, should we like get this person some water? And the volunteers are like, no, we don't have time to get this person some water. We have to, we're busy singing to every single patient and we have to do that. That's our main priority is to sing and try and cheer up every single patient but also like not giving them basic essentials like water. So, I mean, we'll go into depth about that if need be, but um, so they're welcomed into this hospital. No one really asks for their names. They're, they just say like, oh, we don't know anybody's names here. We just call each other brother and sister. All the volunteers are just, hey, brother, hey, sister. So no one knows each other's names. So temporarily they're safe and None of these volunteers read the newspaper because they think no news is good news. So they just don't. It's it, But it's not, you know, whatever. He, Lemony Snicket kind of rips on that statement because he's like, the statement should just be no news is no news because no news is good news. Doesn't really make sense because it could mean that someone's not contacting you because they're in bad shape or because they're in trouble and likewise, you know, you could receive news and it could be good. So anyways, he kind of rips on that for a while. But so they avoid avoid reading the news entirely because they think no news is good news, even though there is news and it's not good news. So anyways, um, they're in this hospital. No one knows their name, whatever. They kind of just play along as volunteers. They find that there's a room of records and they try to see if like maybe there's some records on Jacques Snicket who was actually murdered in the vile village, not, but everyone thought was Count Olaf. So they try to see if they can find some info on him and like who he is and how he knew their parents because he mentioned something about their parents right before he died. So they're trying to look for this record. They end up finding their own file. Um, that is a file about their fire on their house and one of the things said like in addition to the children there's believed to be one more survivor so the kids now think maybe one of their parents is still alive somewhere so and um of course count olaf shows up with his girlfriend esme and his crew and stuff and they're trying to get this file as well someone gets a hold of violet as they're trying to escape the the room the record room or whatever 
Um, someone grabs a hold of Violet, Klaus and Sunny get away, so they're all separated now. Uh, Violet gets like knocked out with anesthesia. Someone takes her and knocks her out with anesthesia and announces basically that they're going to perform a craniectomy, which is, by the way, not a real thing, but um, it's a surgery that is made up for this book, basically, where someone just saws someone's head off. So they're going to have Violet on display for all of the doctors to watch this new procedure going on where they're just going to saw Violet's head on ha head in half or just saw it completely off to see if it will help her, quote unquote, um, help her illness or whatever, which doesn't make sense, but no one really interferes. So Violet and Sunny, they try and dress up as volunteers. They get away with it. Someone confuses Klaus as like a woman and like someone confuses Sunny for like another adult somehow like Esme is like oh hi ladies and like just like keeps going and doesn't and like talks to them about her plans with Count Olaf and all this stuff she doesn't recognize them with their face masks on and their lab coats but I mean Sunny's a baby so it's pretty funny that she's like ladies and Klaus is not a lady so anyways but I like too that Klaus is never once offended by that he's not like what you know or like flabbergasted he's just kind of like Teehee, yep, that's me, Miss Lady. So he just kind of goes with it. But anyways, they sneak into the operating room. Klaus stalls for a long ass time because he wants Violet to just wake up from the anesthesia and like bounce. So he keeps talking about things and stalling before the operation. He's like, first, I need to show you the knife I'm going to use. And then he gives a history on knives. And then he talks about different surgeries. And then he talks about files and paperwork. And he's just boring the hell out of everyone. And all the henchmen are like, hurry up, saw her head off. And he's like, no, I got to make it believable. I have to, I have to make it look like I'm a real doctor. So he keeps on stalling. Violet wakes up. They end up like, escaping and getting out of there and it's pretty epic honestly but people are chasing them once more because it does not look good that they all look like the murderers from the newspaper so some people have read the newspaper and there's a reporter there who was like hey that's the murderers from the last article that i wrote um with all incorrect information like this this newspaper gets like everything wrong basically so I mean, another critique for that. And they they end up escaping. It looks bad because it looks from their perspective like Klaus was the one who was going to perform the surgery on his own sister. So everyone is like, wow, these murderers want to kill each other now. And it's just like ugh, utter chaos, even though he was just doing that to keep himself safe. So anyways, that is like the main the main points or whatever. And there's, of course, a few quick definitions that he gives. Um you know, hostile, I think, I don't know, it, it, it's not a super deep meaning, just hostile meaning like literally unpleasant and violent kind of place to, to be in a hospital. So, okay, let's go back to the postmodernism. This is what I'm going to talk about real quick. Um, and, I, and I bring this up because there is a quick moment in this book series where uh, Klaus just kind of like, I think he like makes up a medical term or like does something that doesn't really make sense but in his mind he's like this will be okay because people will trust anyone who looks like a medical professional which i'm like ooh, 
touchy, especially in especially in America. That's a touchy, touchy subject, especially with this capitalist country, capitalist capitalist ass country. Okay, so let me talk about postmodern modernism real quick. Um, basically, what this means is a type of style with writing. Um, I am going to. I found this definition on the Britannica, which is a good place to get your resources, you guys, if you ever want to. Um, but basically, let me go ahead and read this quick. Here we go. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read this this quick little little chunk or whatever from Britannica.com. Um, it says many characteristics, many of the characteristic doctrines of postmodernism. Um, usually implies some form of metaphysical. Okay, I'm just gonna ignore all of that. It says ethical re- relative, relativism, whatever relativism. Um, basically, here's here's the condensed version. Postmodernisms and postmodernists uh, deny that there are aspects of reality that are objective, that there are statements about reality that are objectively true or false, that it is possible to have knowledge of such state- statements that it is possible for human beings to know some things with certainty and that there are objective or absolute moral values. Reality, knowledge, and values are constructed by discourses, hence they can vary with them. This means that the discourse of modern science, when considered apart from the evidential standards internal to it, has no greater purchase on the truth than do alternative perspectives, including astrology and witchcraft. Um, so basically, I know that was like a lot of, you know, like a lot of like word vomit, I feel like, but basically it's just kind of like, let me go through these like quick, these like short definitions, I guess real quick. And then I'll, I'll explain it in like human language because this is like a mouthful. Uh, so it would be like one, there's an objective or natural reality, a reality whose existence and properties are logically independent of human beings, of their minds, their societies, their social practices, or their investigative techniques. Um, postmodernists discuss the idea as a kind of naive real- realism. Um, so basically, what that chunk means is that there are universal truths and universal morals meaning it is there's always a right or wrong thing to do that is kind of obvious in each situation from from my understanding i think that's what it means um so that you know it would be like if someone is crossing the road and you see a car coming then there would be no like well you know the moral here is subjective it would be objective it would be very obvious what the right thing to do is despite who you are despite who that person is that's that's kind of what the definition is there's going to be one right or wrong and it's it might vary according to each setting but for the most part it's pretty obvious what should be right or wrong and people choosing the opposite or whatever um is an obvious ignorance or like ignoring of the moral right or wrong if that makes sense um the second the second factor would be the descriptive and explanatory statements of scientists and historians can in principle be objectively true or false the postmodern denial of this viewpoint which follows the rejection of an objective natural reality is sometimes expressed by saying that there is no such thing as truth So what this means is that you can't basically say there is one big, big truth. So you can't always say like, oh, like, 
gosh, this is this is just like a mouthful, you guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to like make it like small, small, small. But basically, it's just you know take things with a grain of salt and figure out the moral yourself for that instance. Um, just because someone is a professional in something, or just because like a doctor comes out or like someone who looks like a doctor comes out and says like everyone should um, eat more green beans then you would say okay that's no that's not really like a universal truth because some people are allergic to green beans or like peanuts are the best thing for your system and it's like okay that might not be the best thing for someone of this kind of system in their body or whatever um, so things can be kind of you know, give or take is basically what I think that means. Three is through the use of reason and logic and with more specialized tools provided by science and technology, human beings are likely to change themselves and their societies for the better. It is reasonable to expect that future societies will be more humane, more just, more enlightened, and more prosperous than they are now. Postmodernists deny this enlightenment faith in science and technology as instruments of human progress. Indeed, many postmodernists hold that the misguided or unguided pursuit of scientific knowledge led to the development of technologies for killing in a massive scale in World War II. Some go as far as to say that science and technology, and even reason and logic, are inherently destructive and oppressive because they have been used to evil people, especially during the 20th century, to destroy and oppress others. So basically it just means when things progress and we get smarter as a human species or whatever it's not always for the better and a lot of people use it to their advantage differently and people it doesn't make people better basically the smarter we get it doesn't make people better um is what i believe that to be fourth reason reason and logic are universally valid um their laws are the same for or apply equally to any thinker in any domain of knowledge uh, reason and logic are two merely conceptual constructs and are therefore valid only when the established intellectual traditions in which they are used. <sighs> I think that that's pretty similar to what we just mentioned earlier about how things are kind of universal and about how um, reason and logic, um, you know, it's just basically you you should know you should know what you should know what to do in each situation and you have this sort of instinct or whatever and trying to reason out and doing one other one thing over the other is a little bit um counterproductive i guess one thing is called there is no such thing as human nature it consists of um faculties aptitudes or dispositions you know this is this is a lot postmodernist um Postmodernists insist that all or nearly all aspects of human psychology are completely and socially determined, meaning situations change varying on the setting, I think, and the way people are raised and the way they're socially brought up. So um, this is a good example of like maybe men growing up thinking that they have to be like the man of the household and you know um is it really in their human nature to do that or is it because society tells them from a very young age that they need to be in charge and they need to be the ones making all the money and they need to be the ones owning things um so that would be an example is it really in their nature to own all of these things is it really in their nature to have complete control over certain aspects in their life or is it just something that because of their setting has made them like this. I'm gonna skip through some of these because these are like pretty lengthy and there's a lot, but 
blah, 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 blah. Human beings can acquire knowledge about natural reality, and this knowledge can be justified ultimately on the basis of evidence or principles that are or can be um, known with certainty. So there are some things that you can be certain in, some facts with like science or technology. Um, you can use the main facts as basis for structuring new facts is basically what that means. So like, just like deductive reasoning, I guess. I hope, I hope I'm not losing anybody. This is kind of like, I'm confusing myself as I'm talking, but basically, you know, you can use other facts. Like I know for sure that this is red. I know for sure that this is blue based on that knowledge. And I know that red and blue is in purple. I can probably use that to make purple, red and blue paint to make purple. That's the easiest example that I can give is that you can use two things to come to a different conclusion as long as those things are rooted in a strong amount of fact. Um, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I am going to, I'm going to look up exactly what postmodernist definition is. Postmodernism in a, as a literary movement. Okay, here, here's the easy, I've just wasted probably everyone's time by reading all of those confusing things, but basically here is a dumbed down, not dumbed down, here is a shorter, literally something easier to understand. So this says postmodern literature is a form of literature which is marked both stylistically and ideologically by a reliance on such literary conventions as fragmentation, paradox, unreliable narrators, often unrealistic and downright impossible plots, games, parody, paranoia, dark humor, and authorial self-reference, which I feel like we've probably seen a lot of in this entire series. There's a lot of, um, you know, Lemony Snicket talks about himself. There's a lot of dark humor. There's a lot of parodies going on of him making fun of people. Um, there is impossible plots. I literally don't know what's going on sometimes when I'm reading these. Um, I can follow the kids, but I don't know the history of Lemony Snicket or the kids' parents and what their whole drama is. Um, and we definitely see a lot of paradoxes. Um, as far as unreliable narrators, I will say real quick that I'm scarred because someone had mentioned in this like Reddit thread that maybe Lemony Snicket started the fire. They, it, this theory, you know, some people are like, no way, but it's this theory that maybe we can't trust Lemony Snicket. And I feel like that makes me feel very unsafe. So I'm choosing to ignore that. Um, but it would fall into postmodernism theory if he was someone turning out to be someone that we couldn't exactly trust. But basically, I think I think the main aspects of postmodernism is saying that there is no universal right or wrong. There is no universal good or bad, more so that the settings change each time. But there is always an obvious right choice in each one. I hope that's not too confusing. You know, like you can't always say like, risk your life for someone and then like of course the setting would change but if you were in the setting and everyone was viewing the setting and you were asked what is the right or wrong thing to do that truth should be morally um obvious i guess or should be universal about what to do in those situations but it can't be this is this is exactly what lemony snicket has been going on about it it cannot be um you know, he kind of mocks children's stories where it's like, oh, don't tell a lie. And he's like, that's a stupid thing to tell people because sometimes people need to lie to save their lives. Or, you know, he critiques like, oh, well, this fairy tale is about a stupid girl who like goes into the woods or whatever. And like the lesson here is to like 
not go into the woods alone or you know what I mean or like the boy who cried wolf and he's like the lesson should be if you were in that setting don't go near wolves or don't hang out where wolves usually hang out not don't lie so he's kind of you know kind of telling go go with a grain of salt on each and every situation there's a universal truth in each situation but not a permanent universal truth on the outside you can't just say statements like well like maybe you know you must love yourself before you love other people and then it's like okay that's a really complicated one you know or uh you know any any kind of universal truth that you've ever been told you know where it's just like oh you know like you're only you're only as smart as whatever you know it's just like all those little little things he's kind of like drop kicking in the face so God, sorry I'm wasting- this is probably my least favorite recording I've done so far. I'm so sorry. I hope people are still listening. Um, quick things I wanted to mention was that- was that- that comment that I made earlier about how, um, about how Klaus basically says that anyone will believe him because he looks like a medical professional. Um, I don't want to discredit medical professionals, but I do- want to just say that maybe the lesson here is that this hospital obviously is not a place that checks credentials nobody knows each other's names nobody knows each other's history and um you know as anybody can look like they know something but it's when you ask their credentials and when you ask or do some investigating yourself that's when you can decide if what they're saying is truth or not um so let's just you know let's just not believe everyone let's all take it upon ourselves to do our own research um research that is rooted in facts not in conspiracy theories um i do feel it's important to say that because i know some people might read some sketchy website and be like well look at look at this it says this or blah 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 and it's like okay but who wrote that you know are you just are you just choosing that because it more relates to what your ideology ideology is like or are you just reading it just because you know what I mean? It's just whatever. I'm just I'm just trying to let you guys know like please use normal sources. If it looks like it's a Craigslist website, don't read off of that because it's probably something that like maybe I wrote in my basement. I'm not that smart, you know? So it's like uh, there's there's all this crazy shit. And this and this can be described too with those newspapers where people are like, "Of course, if it's in the newspaper, then that means it must be true." Or I trust this news source entirely. And it's like, "Okay, who wrote that?" Who is actually there? Are there opposing viewpoints? And maybe the time when Lemony Snicket wrote this, this was probably kind of like an impossible thing to kind of do on your own, you know, to like read news and be like, hmm, is this true or not? But now I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're at the smartphone age. Everyone has videos. Everyone has a camera. Every, there's like a billion different sources and a billion different viewpoints for one story. Um, basically, you know, get comfortable with reading multiple sources, I guess is the main point or asking questions from people, um, who might've been there themselves. If it's something like gossip, you know, um, yeah. So I'll just say that, um, Esme Squalor was described as a slave to fashion, which I thought was funny, (laughs) which basically means that she just wears uncomfortable clothes. Um, I thought that was pretty silly, but Anyways, I want you guys to listen to your medical professionals, but make sure that they are professionals and not from some sketchy website that you're trying to follow just because 
it says that you're right, you know? Like, you're like, well, this source says that my idea is right. And it's like, okay, well, your source was not written by a medical professional or it was written by someone who got fired or it was written by someone, you know what I mean? It's kind of a scam now too, because it's like, I feel like a lot of people kind of pay their, like, for example, that one lady um, earlier in the year who like paid or like bribed or did some weird, weird ass shit to get her kid to get into some college and... Um, yeah, basically she should not have gotten into that college, you know, and people are like, well, you know, you must be smart because you go to Berkeley or you must be smart because you go to Stanford. And it's like some people kind of cheat their way through life. Um, so it's important to ask questions and kind of doubt things, especially, you know, but if it's coming from multiple medical sources, the same information that are like, these are the facts and these are, you know, here's the studies and we are professionals. This is how we do the studies, you know? And likewise, I feel like it's important, guys, to remind people that not everyone can study graphs. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff going around with COVID or like with anything, you know, and people are like, well, you know, I've looked at the numbers and it looks like this. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be mean, but I don't think you're a stats, um, like you're someone who studies stats or I don't think you're someone who studies graphs. And I don't think you have all of the medical information that this person who works in this medical field, you know, is is studying you know they spend hours and hours studying this kind of stuff so if, if there's like a universal truth with a team of people i feel like that's more reliable than just one single person who was like listen i think it's this or whatever and you're like oh like i believe you because your truth makes me feel more comfortable than the other one you know don't be reluctant to truth just because just because one single person who is fighting against all these dozens or billions of other medical professionals is saying the opposite. Um, just, you know, I, I just want be humble, I guess, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, I get pissed. I hate, I hate getting proven wrong, but you know, I'm not going to make it a characteristic of mine to ignore things flat out just because, you know, like if I say something and someone's like, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, Am I embarrassed a little bit? Yeah, but who the fuck cares? I'd rather be right now. I don't want to keep embarrassing myself and saying the same thing over and over again when it's been proven wrong. Um, so I'm just, you know, listen, listen to multiple opinions, listen to multiple sources, listen to people. Don't just jump in and argue and say, well, I read this one thing on Reddit that said this, or here's this one conspiracy theory about this, blah, blah, blah. There's a, there's a difference that Lemony Snicket is trying to, is trying to bring us into, which is you need to at least form opinions that are kind of based on facts. You know, you need to have some facts and then you can come to a different conclusion, but you can't just have zero facts and come to a conclusion. That's a conspiracy theory. Um, which is fun to do, but also very harmful to do if you're ignoring facts that are flat out saying stuff, you know, kind of like if it was like, oh, how, how, what's another way to make purple? And you're like, well, I saw this thing that said like yellow and green mixed together would make purple. So what about that? And it's like, okay, um, that like, that's not really rooted in any facts. You know, this is obviously a very, very simple explanation or very simple comparison, but it's not rooted in facts. You know, if you said something like, oh, you know, well, I heard that turquoise and red makes a prettier purple. That's that's a conclusion that you can come to. Then it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense, actually. And that can be something that can be proven and tested out. But you can't go around saying two things make one thing while ignoring the other facts where people are like, no, we know for sure that blue and you need at least some form of blue and some form of red to come to this conclusion. 
So likewise, you know, conspiracy theories are fun if they're talking about aliens and whatnot, but you cannot come up and follow these conspiracy theories, especially in the health area, especially in the health area, if there if there's not anything rooted in facts or you know, I don't I don't believe that this happened, but don't be reluctant to hearing facts just because one side makes you more comfortable than the other. You know, that that's when things get embarrassing. That's when we're not really progressing as a human species. Um, literally no one cares. No one cares if you if you are wrong, okay? I just I just want to emphasize that. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I was wrong, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, who the, who the fuck cares? I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's thinking hard about this. And I have so much respect to my friends, too. Like, it makes me so excited if I have conversations with friends and they're like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Or like, yeah, oh, I didn't think about that, you know? And likewise, you know, if people are not going to want to talk to you and tell you things that help you to make you smarter or anything like that, if you're just going to be mad every single time someone corrects you, chill, chill and make some opinions that are rooted in facts, okay? Don't, don't just blindly assume something or come to a conclusion with nothing behind it. That doesn't make sense. And it's not a good way to live. There's a there's a universal truth. There's there's universal facts that you at least know so you can come to a conclusion. Let's just do that, you guys. It's deductive reasoning. We can do that. We'll be okay. Okay, real quick. I know I did not really talk about the hostile hospital that much, but honestly, this one kind of... I liked the aesthetic of this because it kind of reminded me of that new Netflix show, the... Um, the one about the one flew over the cuckoo's nest nurse. Um, but, you know, there, there wasn't that much going on. It was a lot of stress as usual. So let me just briefly, oh, and also the, the volunteers who were kind of useless. Um, this, this kind of reminds me, not to bash on anyone, um, this kind of reminds me of volunteers that go and do charity work, but also like don't really actually help people. Um, not saying, you know, people are fake, but this would be someone who maybe goes to feed the homeless and posts about it. But then when they see a homeless person on the side of the road, they kind of like look away or they like ignore them or they're like, you know, like just angry that someone's homeless. You know, I've, I've had a conversation before with someone where they're like, why are they home? Like they just need to work hard or, you know, it's just kind of like, but I also feel like if they were to volunteer at a homeless shelter that they would post that shit everywhere. So just kind of like, you know, volunteering and practicing charity and being helpful is an everyday thing. Um, and we, we can, of course, critique hospitals too if you want, but um, I'm not in the mood for that right now. Maybe we'll, I'll bring that up because I'm hopefully, I'm hopefully going to bring someone on who can explain postmodernism theory a lot better than me and a lot clearer. Um, cough, cough, uh, Michael, if you're still listening, he is a professor and I'm, I'm hoping to beg him to come on so that he can profess the truths about postmodernism. But real quick, I want to mention some allusions because I don't want to, um, allusions meaning references that he makes inside of the book to other people. I'm reading this off of the Snicket fandom because I knew there were a lot of references, but I did not catch on to them because I did not read these books. Um, so I'm going to read these examples just to kind of show you guys, um, if you guys feel like reading and this, these probably also, I'm writing these down. These probably also have relevancy to the postmodernist theories. Um, so here we go. I'll just, there's a few bullet points. I'll just read down them real quick. Uh, one of the allusions is to Emma Bovary, which is a patient with food poisoning. And this refers to a character of the same name in, uh, Gustave Flaubert's novel, Madame Bovary. 
Uh, Jonah Maple, who suffers from seasickness, is named after Father Maple, which is a preacher known for sermonizing on the biblical tale of Jonah trapped in the whale in Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Uh, Clarissa Dalloway is another patient in the hospital, is an allusion to a character of the same name in Virginia Woolf's novel, Mrs. Dalloway. Snicket's character suffers from no visible ailment, but stares sadly out the window, which could refer to both Wolf's struggles with depression and her essay, The Room, A Room of One's Own. Cynthia Vane, another patient with a toothache, is named after a character in Vladimir Nabokov's short story, The Vane Sisters. Um, Charlie, yeah, Charlie Anderson comes from Jean Dopasso's USA trilogy. Dr. Bernard Rue whose ailment is a terrible cough, likely came from Albert Camus's La Peste, which is the plague. Um, two patients share the same names with actual authors in real life, named Haruki Murakami, a Japanese writer and translator, and Mikhail Bulgakov, a Russian novelist and playwright. Um, yeah, so look at look at all of these look at all of these things going on. We have all of these references to all these different books. He's a let me stick it as well read, um, but also really cute. If you if you've read any of those books or if you know any of those characters, which I'll be impressed because literally I've not heard for heard of some of these even as an English major. Um, but I mean that's fun. That's fun that he mentions all of these and that these are cute little glimpses into rooms or patients of people who like have similar problems or have some sort of connection to the book that they derive in which is a cool universe honestly if all of these characters are connected so anyways okay sorry for that mouthful this is this is my least favorite one that i've recorded but i hope you guys are listening still um next next episode we'll be talking about book nine um and and like i said you guys i'm on instagram and i have that Gmail set up if you guys want to talk or whatever, but um, I'm going to try really hard to try and beg Michael to come on this, <laughs> come on this show. Hopefully now he'll do it now that I've mentioned it and guilt tripped him uh, publicly. But basically I want him to come on and hopefully he'll be a regular occurrence where we can talk about different theories for each book series, but in a way that makes sense. I definitely stumbled through this because postmodern literature is like kind of new to me because I studied a lot of like historical um, genres and postmodern is pretty new still honestly it's still pretty new um, kind of like contemporary fiction so but we can we can talk more about those characteristics my goal will make a lot more sense because he is obviously a professor and good at teaching um, but yeah we will talk about um, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll get more organized, you guys. I started this new job and I love it so much, but I have to change around my schedule a lot about how things are, how things are going to go. Um, yeah, but I'll figure it out. Hope you guys are staying safe. Let's see. Okay, book nine is the Carnivorous Carnival. Um, I don't remember a lot about this one. And I, I think, I think honestly, this, this one right here, the hostile hospital, this is about the time when I was a kid where things started to get confusing to me. So the, these lessons might get more, um, dense or, you know, these, these, these lessons for these next couple of books are likely going to be big, are going to be thickies. They're going to be harder to kind of decipher now that we've gotten the basics from the first five or six books, um, six, seven, we have seven books. 
after the first um, seven books, now we have kind of a basis for what kind of stories and what kind of lessons that Lemony Snicket is going to teach us. Um, but now it's just, I feel like now he's going to try and throw it on us as readers to kind of use those tools in the postmodernist way, use the facts that he has tried to give us at the beginning and the tools that we've been given at the beginning to kind of come to our own conclusion about things, about what he's trying to say and what the lesson is here, what the moral right or wrong is. Um, and, and, and like, um, I think Klaus even, Klaus mentions in this book too, he says something like, oh, um, uh, someone asks him like, oh, are you, are you going to stab me? Cause he like kind of gets in this weird little, like almost knife fight with one of the henchmen. Um, and, and the henchman is like, Hey, like you, well, you can't kill all of us or you, you're not going to kill any of us. You're not going to hurt any of us. And, and then they said something like, well, you're like, you're not going to do this because you're a kid or blah, 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 or because whatever. And Klaus says like, I, you like, you should be able to kill somebody because killing someone or hurting someone comes from a lack of moral stamina. And I'm like, damn that's pretty intense for like Klaus Klaus to think that and Klaus to say that um but he basically is like listen if my morals have gone down a little bit don't test me do not test me so that in that situation too would tie in tie into that postmodernist where it's like there's a right and wrong thing to do and Klaus is like I will do the wrong thing if my morals are low enough so do not come near me um which I thought was cute honestly go Klaus for defending himself but Anyways, okay, I'll see you guys for the next episode. I'm sorry this one was a mess. I promise I'll get better at organizing. I know I always say that, but I promise it for real this time. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Bye!